Now, welcome to the CatTunes podcast. I'm your host, Catherine Crowley. On this podcast, I'm going to talk about the stories behind my songs, the production tools that I've used, the production methods that I've employed, the instruments that I've played, the instruments that I've discovered, the arrangement methods that I've used, the real-life stories which precipitated the creation of my entire albums or of my separate tracks. So let's jump right into it, shall we? And uh, welcome you listening, this is Kat Corelli and this is the Cat Tunes Podcast actually the 17th episode of the Cattoons podcast and today we're going to be talking about a song called August Megalomaniacal Mood. August Megalomaniacal Mood is the third track on the Seraphic Tears. In the previous two episodes I've given you a little bit of, of a backstory to what was going on and how and why the album was originally born, but I gotta tell you that there are three tracks on this album that weren't initially intended at all for Seraphic Tears because they were written... Well, actually the core body of these songs was written a lot earlier. Namely, songs like August, Silentium, and uh, Adieu. All three of them contain poems written in Russian. Those poems are from roughly 1997-1998 1998, as far as I remember, all of them, all three of them, and initially they were written just like poems. They weren't intended to become part of any songs whatsoever. August, in its um, more or less modern shape, the classic version, was put together, roughly speaking, in fall 2007, so that was nine years after the original Russian poem was written. August, the original Russian poem, was written back in 1998, in fall 1998, when I was still serving in the military. And uh, it was written in the training grounds in August 1998. That's why it has that title. However, it has nothing to do with the military at all. It's actually a very romantic, very expressionist piece of poetry. And back then, between roughly between 1994 and 1999, I was writing plenty of poetry. It's really a bummer that I don't have all of those poems with me. I wish I had all of them. I wish I didn't lose them. Unfortunately, they are lost for the most part. I have just a few. However, August, that was written back in 1998, made its way into the Seraphic Tears album. How did that happen? Well, in 2007, I intended to pull off a weird experiment. I wanted to put together the poems, the old poems that I've written in the 90s, with some experimental music. And I deliberately wanted it to be sort of bizarre. I didn't intend those poems to all of a sudden become songs. 
in the 90s, I was writing just plain poetry, and、um, I actually thought that perhaps I could try my hand in becoming a poet, a professional poet. So I was writing a lot, and I was writing obsessively, and I was damn serious about this. The inspiration for those poems came from the so called Silver Age of Russian poetry, and I was vastly inspired and influenced by that age of Russian poetry. I love, still to this day, I love quite a few of those poets, like Boris Pasternak, Osip Mandrishtam, Anna Akhmatova. I was deeply inspired by their poetry. I love these poets to bits. And、um, I wanted to push it one notch further. At that time in the 90s, in 1997, 1998, and 99, I was already doing music. I went to music school. I was still in the military at the same time. So I was dealing with music, with plenty of classical music and experimental music, and with poetry at the same time. And I've already been to the art school. So I wanted to create something. Out of it. I was writing music. I was writing serious, you know, quote unquote, serious music for piano. And、um, I was writing poetry. And I wanted to make my poetry sound like music. And I wanted it to be like music in words. I wanted to paint in music with metaphors, with colors. So I took quite an expressionistic approach to my poetry. And some of it was simpler, some of it was more complex. And、uh, I was inspired vastly by the Silver Age of Russian poetry. So, August, the original poem, was born in 1998. Now, nine years later, almost a decade later, I've decided in 2007, in fall 2007, I decided that I want to experiment a little bit with whatever I have laying around. And I wanted to sort of Not wrap these poems over the music that I was writing, but rather I wanted it to be a declamation of sorts. I wanted to just read those poems over the music. And the music originally, like the music for August or the music for Salentium, for example, wasn't intended as your typical song music, and it wasn't intended as a soundtrack. It was just flowing in the back and it was. Supposed to support whatever was going on in the poem. And in that vein, I've created three of the tracks that later got included into the Seraphic Tears album. And they were included into this album exactly because of how colorful, how peculiar, and how you could say bizarre and strange these pieces were. They sort of fitted the outlandish. And、uh, dark vibe of the album and the metaphors that I've used in these poems, they matched up with the overall romantic, sometimes erotic, sometimes very dark vibe of Seraphic Tears. So in 2007, I dug up these old poems. I probably had them in like separate Word files or something like that. I dug them up on my hard drive and I thought, oh, That's actually pretty damn interesting. Let's put this together. And、uh, I started writing August, this track. And as I said, I was just experimenting. Unfortunately, I didn't have a guitar back then, otherwise, I would have used、uh, guitar music there. But I didn't have one. 
so I had to resort to synthesizers and um, samples and I put it all together into some sort of dark industrial vein and it sounded weird and it sounded weird and I liked it that way exactly so that kind of sound you can hear on the classic version of August megalomaniacal mood why is it megalomaniacal mood actually that has nothing to do with seraphic tears these little notes in parentheses that are given to every track on seraphic tears in the case of August megalomaniacal mood silentium psychosomatic ecstatic and adieu coherence dissolution they're sort of descriptive but not precisely August megalomaniacal mood the megalomaniacal mood is rather you don't necessarily have to pay attention to the meaning of the word megalomaniacal mood it's rather a descriptor that has to do with the feeling of the word how does that feel megalomaniacal mood what does it feel like on your tongue when you pronounce that when you look at these letters what do they look like in conjunction to August so it's a very strange way to go about words sort of dismissing their initial meaning and uh, mostly focusing on what they look like and what they sound like but that was my mindset back in 2007 and that's how megalomaniacal mood this weird combination of words made its way into the title of this track and then bizarrely enough instead of proceeding with English lyrics instead of that there are Russian lyrics August is comprised only and solely of Russian lyrics and that's the original poem yes it is been it has been adapted more or less to suit a song form so the hooks are being sort of sang just with an ah and uh, occasionally closer to the end there is the word любовь which in Russian stands for love so let's read the lyrics I will read you the original poem in Russian and then I will try to translate line by line like a four-liner a verse after verse I will try to translate that to my best ability and of course I'm gonna butcher English it's gonna sound weird because I will try to really get the meaning so that you can you know more or less understand the meaning of the poem right so let's read through it и полощет листьям лица, свежим небом был пицца, с горьким блеском позолота. Друг у друга на груди спят цветы и дремлют травы от избытка горькой влаги, от непущенной слезы. Солнце дарит вновь и вновь им воспоминания лета, тщетно требуя ответа на последнюю любовь, на последнюю любовь. So this is what it sounds like in Russian. If I just read the poem, which it happens so, is the body of the lyrics for August Megalomaniacal Moon. And now let me try to translate that. So, the first verse we have What does that mean? It's getting colder day after day. 
and the shadows become darker at night. Белой кошкой на шее ветер пахнет сентябрем. Like a white cat on a neck, the wind smells like September. Next verse. Между пальцев дождь течет и полощет листьям лица. Between the fingers the rain flows and it rinses the faces of the leaves. Свежим небом был пицца с горьким блеском позолот. I wish I could drink full of the sky with its gilded, bitter glimmer or glitter. Друг у друга на груди спят цветы и дремлют травы. On each other's bosoms do the flowers and weeds dream. От избытка горькой влаги от непущенной слезы. Because of an excess of bitter moist and unreleased tears. Солнце дарит вновь и вновь им воспоминания лета, тщетно требуя ответа на последнюю любовь. The sun is gifting them again and again the memories of summer, vainly demanding a response, an answer, you could say, to the last love. It doesn't say to its last love, but it is implied that the sun is asking of them for the last love. And then it says love, 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 любовь, 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 на последнюю любовь to his last love. And that's, those are the lyrics for August Megalomaniacal Mood. As you can see, it's um, quite difficult to translate poetry because it wasn't written as lyrics initially. It was a poem, and it remains a poem that is made into a very strange, artsy, experimental rock track, which exists in two versions. There is the classic version of August Megalomaniacal Mood, which is, I, I think it sounds more industrial because of the synthesizers, because there are no live instruments at all whatsoever. It's all programmed. And I think the vocals are somewhat darker there. And it also has a strange sort of Middle Eastern vibe to it. And that is, or Armenian, you could say, I don't know. And. That has nothing to do with Russian poetry, that has nothing to do with anything at all. It just came naturally and just like quite often I used to do, I just allow music to show up and to blossom the way it wants to blossom. And then I capture that and I make it into something. So in this particular case, the music for August that had shown up to this poem had this Middle Eastern flavor and I don't have an explanation for this, it just this is just the way it is. And the poem, as you can see, if you think about it, really doesn't have to do that much with the overarching themes explored on the Seraphic Tears album. It really doesn't have anything to do with Lilith, with Adam, with any of that. It's just an observation It's an observation of the withering nature. It's an observation of things getting colder and colder and, you know, the shadows getting darker at night. 
and it's a bunch of metaphors that gives you the feel of perhaps the necessary feel of what maybe Lilith is going through as her feelings towards Adam are dimming and withering away. In the context of the album it makes sense. If you're not listening to the whole album track by track the way I have intended for you to listen to it, then it doesn't really make much sense because, I mean, even to a Russian speaker this will probably not make a lot of sense exactly because of its expressionistic nature. That's how I wrote poems back in the day and if I were to write poetry today I would be writing it the same way. I would be just painting metaphors and allowing the listener, the viewer, the reader to make sense of it and to hear and to process and to develop their own vision for what, what do they hear and how do they understand it. I've taken this approach here in August, both as far as lyrical content, as far as the poem, and as far as the music, so I'm leaving it to you to conclude. What does it feel like? What is this song really about? To me it means one thing, to you it might mean a whole different thing. And that's basically what I wanted to say outside of the music analysis about August Megalomaniac Mood. And at this point, I guess we can move on to more or less of a musical analysis, shall we? August happens in the key of, uh, you could say G major, or you could see it as C minor. It depends. At the time when I was writing this song, I thought of it as out of any key. I was thinking of it rather in the context of G major, I think, rather than C minor. Because, it, because outside of the three chords that the song utilizes, it doesn't go anywhere. And the things that happen in the guitar, they happen on a sort of augmented C minor scale, but not exactly. Let me explain. So the song starts with an intro, but right now let's focus just on the three chords that carry the song from beginning to end. And those are G major, A flat major, and then E major plus seven. goes back to G major and the song revolves around these around this movement there is no other chords at all it's just like I like to joke about this song is that this is the one of the simplest songs that I've ever written. You know, there's a running joke about how simple you can get with writing music and uh, sort of common knowledge that the simplest songs are comprised of just, you know, three chords, perhaps. So, I literally took three chords, but not your average chords. 
I've improvised and I put together something peculiar. So we have a G major, we have an A flat major, and we have an E major with a plus seven. They're all major chords, but amazingly, surprise, surprise, it sounds like we're in deep minor. Deep from the word depth. Why is that? Because if we think of it in G major, then we have the second low, which would constitute for the uh, A flat major, and then we also have a major. But if we think in C minor, if we think in the context of C minor, then probably in that context we will find ourselves in uh, harmonic C minor, obviously, starting with the dominant G major. That would explain the B here, right? A flat major, sixth, then the fourth low. Even though you would expect normally an F, no, but instead of that we got an F flat. Or, conventionally speaking, in, a, in more simplistic terms you could call it an E major plus 7. So, the real action is happening in the little melodic things up above. So now let's go back to the intro. The intro opens in the original version. There is like a little synth that emulates the guitar. In the modern version, it is actually a real guitar that plays this. This is the intro, and it's allowed to ring out. In the original version, there is plenty of reverb with a long tail, so it all sounds exactly like I've just played it with, uh, with the pedal down on my clavinova. That's intentional because you gotta hear out all the little intervals that are going on there. If you listen carefully, what's going on there? Well you have well you have a very dissonant interval here, then a very clean interval a fifth that goes upwards. It's dissonance and consonance at the same time. It goes upwards in a broad move. And then just a little bit a little bit, half a tone up and then down. A major third. So all of this this phrase revolves around the G major chord. Only that we have a half tone down. Upwards, which creates an aura of mystery, you could say. And then it rests on the third of the chord. And we end up, basically, with... Um, a G major plus 5 ringing on top there. You see what I'm saying. Now what happens next? Well, there is your tritone right there. 
Here we are. A flat, D creates tension. Then back again to the original phrase. Like a sigh, if not like a cry. And then it moves up an octave higher. Again, B, C, half a tone upwards, then down, A flat, G, another half tone. And then we're moving, we're falling, we're falling down. So it's a D, then a fifth down, G, another fifth down, C, another fifth down, F. And here is the same tone over an octave up here. And this is the intro. And then we're immediately moving into this groove that goes, that runs and runs through the song steadily. in the vocal we have I'm basically just reading the poem yes in an exaggerated way because it should fit the vibe and it should fit everything so I'm reading it in a very I don't know depressed and uh, sultry way at the same time this is perhaps one of my favorite ways to rap and to read poems when I'm actually reading them declamating them what does the lead do at the same time when we run into the first verse? So the lead goes... again. So, you see how much is going on there? First of all, there is again a half tone, and we're not starting with the notes that we do have at our disposal. We're not starting with a B. We're starting with a B flat. There's a half tone there. B flat, B, then we're moving upwards. A flat, and it's so dissonant to the G major chord below here, right? very tense. And then even from there another fifth upwards to an E flat. And that happens on the A flat major. You see what's going on? And that D, that D is allowed to ring and ring and ring. So it hangs on the A flat major. Since it hangs all the way through E major, that implies that we have some sort of E major minus 7 going on there. And then the next phrase. 
handsken. dissonant and it sounds like it's almost out of place. But again, this is August, pure expressionism you could say. Expressionism in, in the lyrics, in the poem, and in music. And the music only unveils and supports what's going on in the poem. So again, it's, it's rather painting the vibe, painting the mood with music and with the poem, conveying the feeling that is depicted in the poem. So, what's going on there? You see how much tension is there? Why is that? Well, because we have a G major going down below here. It's in the guitars, right? But again, it's a B flat, and then before it is a B. Half tone. Again, half a tone. D, A flat, G. So, this section... And we're going into an A flat major. And with this little G that shows up there in the lead, we sort of indicate that it's we sort of indicate that this is probably an A flat major plus seven. We have an E flat in the lead in the melody, and we have an E major down here. And then again. Interestingly, in the modern version, it goes up like this. It uh, basically uses the notes of an E flat major, whereas happens harmonically underneath. So there is an A-flat major under the first two notes, which sort of makes sense because you could say, well, it's um, an A-flat major plus seven, probably. But then it gets to a B-flat on top, but here it changes to an E major. Why is that happening? Well, we're thinking, the way I was thinking about it, is that this E major be, you know, like a gateway into a new key, to E major Lydian, and then if it's Lydian, then it would have a high fourth in it. You see what it sounds like? And that's the mindset behind this B flat here. You hear it? So we get there through an A flat major. the same chord progression is going on in the bottom. With more or less the same rhythm. Then there is another verse. It repeats itself. 
then it goes into the hook, and in the hook, I'm basically just singing. Ah. And I'm not gonna sing that right now because it's it's very high pitched and um, I'm just not warmed up enough from that. But suffice to say that it's all basically. melody there dances around a G, an A flat, occasionally a B down to A flat back to G. Later on it starts, the backing vocal moves up to a B. So it starts moving higher. And then there is another phrase, as far as I remember, on the third verse, where the guitar plays something like this. Then there is a descending line that goes from there. But once again, you see that this is there's a little bend that goes in the guitar. Again, it's a very bizarre, very weird phrase. Uh, why? Because it doesn't it, it doesn't even sound like it's confined to a C minor because of. You see those weird fifths there, and again, it's the same logic throughout the whole song. There is a half tone hidden somewhere in the in the lead in the melody, and then there is a clean, wide interval like a fifth. It's all fifths or half tones, basically. this is happening on three chords, all of this is happening on three major chords. And the vocal melody, as you can hear, which is very sparse, by the way, there is almost no vocals, almost no actual conventional vocals. The vocal melody basically sits around the G all the time, moves up to an A flat, up to a B on E major. there is a melismatic improvisation of sorts, like a little backing vocal that descends all the way down in the modern version. It's not present in the old classic one, but basically this is the musical composition in the sense of what is it made of? What is this track made up of? The musical composition of 
August megalomaniac mood, as you can see, it is very expressionistic just by design and it naturally flows in a certain way and I think that perhaps because it is so sparse harmonically with just three chords that allows for little weird bizarreties that are going on in the lead. Exactly this sparsity, this harmonic sparsity. Also, these three chords, or rather the third chord, with, it, with its strange implications, strange harmonic implications, it allows, it opens, opens the door for all of these strange, um, strange melodic variations that are going, going on in the lead, like this. If I let it ring, you hear how much dissonance is out there. There's this half tone, then there is a wide sixth that goes upwards, a fifth that goes even higher, and then another half tone that drops down. And it sits there, it rests there for a long while. So you see it's all a combination of dissonant intervals and wider, broader, clean consonant intervals. And basically, this is the music analysis of August Megalomanical Mood to my best ability. If you can come up with a better analysis, well, you're welcome to make your own. And uh, let's move on to the next section, shall we? And as I have said earlier in this podcast, in this episode, August the poem and August the song, even, they weren't originally intended for seraphic tears at all. August, megalomaniacal mood, even when it was blended together with the poem in 2007 and fall 2007, there was still no concept of seraphic tears album. It wasn't even... It wasn't in the making, it wasn't on the horizon. I had no idea what will become out of August, Salentium, and Adieu, these three songs. They were purely experimental. I was thinking of perhaps making them into some sort of ex very, very, very eccentric, eccentric and experimental album of their own. And piling up some more songs, I actually still do have in an old file a few more old Russian poems which I have probably intended for, you know, something as experimental as August, but never got to it. And then eventually, all of these three songs, August, Silentium, and Adieu, they joined the Seraphic Tears album in a very strange motion. First, I've lived through the events that created the platform, you could say, that created the platform, the material for Seraphic Tears. And then when I was thinking of what is Seraphic Tears gonna be made of, the missing bits and pieces started to come together. And August was one of those pieces, which was very emotional, very metaphoric, very abstract, predicated on feeling, 
rather than on meaning specifically. So if you want, you certainly can try to analyze this poem or you can try to rationalize through why is it the third track on this album, what is the rationale behind that, how does it sit with Lilith or with the story of Lilith. Certainly you can elaborate on that, but you gotta understand that when I was putting August into Seraphic Tears, into the album, it wasn't a rational decision at all. It was rather a very irrational decision. I felt that August should sit exactly between From the Hidden Depths I Come and the next track, which is Thirsty, So Cold, which was written at, at a different time altogether. Actually, all of the tracks on Seraphic Tears, all of the songs, they can be broken down into a few categories. There is this little Russian poetry block, three tracks, then there is this sort of native tribal dark folk block of songs like Covet, I Know You, Thirsty, So Cold, Never, The Truth Is, these tracks, they're sort of tribal and dark folk-ish, and uh, they have just a few lyrics to them, if any. And these blocks of songs, or musical tracks, or musical compositions, they came and formed the Seraphic Tears album. They came from different times, but they all somehow ended up on the same album, which has a cohesive story, which has a one unifying narrative, a one unifying background, and a one unifying vibe. Which is pretty peculiar, but sometimes this is how albums are being born. Sometimes it's a multitude of tracks and pieces and bits of something that come together and something happens. It all happens to come together very well and it becomes its own new living thing. So, this is where I'm gonna conclude this podcast. Guys, thank you very much for checking out Cat Tunes. I appreciate your attention, I appreciate your time. If you haven't heard any of my music yet, please look up Catherine Corelli, Catherine with a C, Corelli with a C. Look up my music on whichever streaming platform you prefer. It might be Spotify, it might be YouTube music, it might be something else, doesn't matter. Just look for Catherine Corelli and you will find me. If you're interested in finding my other shows, I do have sort of a podcast on YouTube, which is called Cat Talk Show. Just look for me on YouTube, you will find my channel, and you will find a playlist that says Cat Talk on it. And uh, that's me, basically. And on that podcast, I'm talking about basically all things that are not music. There is plenty of stuff in it. Discover it for yourself. Anyways, guys, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you checking out my Cattoons podcast. All the links are in the footnotes. If you want to reach out to me and leave me a comment or tell me something about my podcast or if you want to, if you have any suggestions or if you have any questions, reach out to me at ladycatherinecorelli at gmail.com. This is ladycatherinecorelli at gmail.com. This is, guys, where I'm going to wrap up this episode. Thank you very much for listening. I love y'alls, and you will hear me on the next episode. Rrr.